Hello world. Hey. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. It's like I forgot not to say hello. <laughs> hey, hey, everyone, and happy new year. As you may have seen on social media, Life with Kaka got a bit of a makeover. As the show enters its sophomore year, it was time for a change. So going forward, the show will be called Angle on Producers. It's still me, and yes, we are still talking about all the caca. I've also started a monthly newsletter that will be an extension of the show. It will inform and inspire, hopefully in equal parts. I'll add a link in the show notes, so please sign up and stay in touch. Speaking of, I would love to hear from you. What producers do you want to hear from? Hit me up. I am so excited to kick off this new year, this new season of the show, with my first episode alongside Women in Film. I am proud to be a member of an organization that focuses on supporting and advancing women filmmakers. They invited me to host an event this past weekend that was open to all, and it was an absolute delight to chat with and learn from Demaine Davis. Demaine wears many hats, but we focused on her producing and directing ones for this conversation. Her credits include Ava DuVernay's Queen Sugar on OWN, now in its fifth season, the highly anticipated series Clarice that tells the personal story of FBI agent Clarice Sterling as she returns to the field in 1993, one year after the events of The Silence of the Lambs. She also produced and directed the four-part Emmy-nominated Netflix limited series Self Made, inspired by the life of Madam C.J. Walker, starring Octavia Spencer. Highly recommended if you have not checked it out. I left this hour filled with joy as her positive energy is absolutely infectious. She vibrates on a wavelength of gratitude and possibility. She believes in manifestation and I for one can't wait for the day that I manifest getting to work with her. So let's tune in and hear from Domaine. This is so exciting. I, for those of you who are watching and listening, welcome to the show. I am so excited. I normally record these in a little vacuum, just me and the guest, and then release them. So this is the first time I'm doing a live on air, kicking off 2021 with a bang with Miss Domain Davis. And I'm so excited. And in doing all my research on you, I just was like, should I even be talking to her? Like, she's done, like, she's she's like the real deal. I should be like, like, hire me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I just, I think it's so incredible when I bump into someone who I haven't personally had not really been too familiar with your career. And then when Ebony and Women in Film were like, oh, Domain Davis, that's the girl. That's who we got to talk to. I was just blown away by how much you've done and all the hats that you wear as very well proclaimed on your website. So I, I always like to start by kind of taking it to the beginning a little bit and how you discovered this business and the, just those early days. So take us there. Um, well, first, thanks so much for having me. And yeah. uh, and and uh, I really appreciate it. And don't look at the bags under my eyes from working. Um <laughs> I want to begin by um, extending my condolences to anyone who uh, has lost someone due to COVID. Um, I feel like not uh, our administration has not done that. And so mm. I like to do that. And I would also um, like to express my sincere gratitude for our essential workers, doctors, nurses, um, the cleaning staffs at all the hospitals, uh, the transit workers, uh, the grocery store clerks um, for doing what they do so that we can do what we do. So thank you. And thanks everybody for making time to be here today. I really appreciate yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I also want to congratulate you on Sylvie's Love. I really, what a beautiful, beautiful film. And I have a bunch of questions for you after um, uh, or just during, I'm just going to drop them. Please. It's a conversation. So, you know. Yeah, and and Miss Virginia, I watched Miss Virginia this morning. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, so my start was really uh, simple. Uh, Ava DuVernay slipped into my DMs. That's why I'm here. Um, that's why I have the honor to do what I do. I'm really, really grateful to get to do it every day. Um, my background is a writer. I've always been a writer. I have had a journal since I was 12 years old. Um, I have probably, I'm going to say 75 of these at home in different shapes or forms. Um, not really on scriptation yet. Everybody loves scriptation. I feel like people are getting like, like secret percentages of scriptation. Do you use scriptation? I, I, it's the first time I'm hearing about it. Tell oh, us. 
give them more money. Apparently you're about to pitch them. So, <laughs> so Scriptation allows you to load your script into your iPad. It only works with Apple products. See, that's another thing. I'm like, okay. Mm. And uh, when the new versions of the scripts come out, as they always do in television and film, mm-hmm. it just transfers your notes automatically. Hmm. See, I see. See, you like it. You want it now, I don't do you? Like it. I do <laughs> like it. I thought it was going to be something different. I thought it was going to be some magical software where it took all of your ideas and thoughts and notes as a writer oh. and just put them all in one place. Because I, I've always, I'm also like a storyteller, and I think in movies, like I, as growing up before I knew what movies were, I would imagine myself like a third, you know, bird's eye view camera was like, follow me. And I'd be like, okay, she gets out of the car. She closes the door. She walks, she knocks to, to somebody answer. Like I was always like doing that in my head. So I've always dabbled in, in writing stuff. So, but that's been my struggle is I have, um, just everywhere. I have like physical writing and notes and it's just everywhere. So I was like, is there one, is there a way to just like condense all of this funnel it into one place? And then, yeah, if this service then also wrote the script for me, I was, <laughs> was going to be that like, sounds, oh, that sounds awesome. Being a writer, you could have gone many directions, right? As a writer. So at what point were you aware that like, oh, there's like these people in the television, in the movie screen that do this for a living. They're not just showing up in real time and saying words. Like there are writers who write those words. There are people who put this together. Do you remember being aware of that? Well, I don't know when I became aware of that. I mean, I, for me, I only know that. Um, so I entered the Sundance Labs uh, episodic, the episodic labs. I didn't get in. And um, they had asked their essay, like, why do you want to have your own television series? And I'm grateful to that, even though I didn't get in, because it allowed me to realize that when I was little, I used to watch Mannix. And mm-hmm. Mannix was a private detective. And he had a black secretary named Peggy, Gail Fisher, rest in peace, Gail Fisher. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, what's she doing? Uh, she's typing, she's filing over there, she got him lunch. I could do that. And so that's how I became a secretary in the media department. And yeah. then I worked my way up to be a copywriter. So for me, I'm like, I want to show other people doing other things so that, you know, if there's another version of me out there, they can see it and be like, oh, I think that I want to do that. As far as writing, I, I didn't really, I mean, writing for me is always, it's second nature. And mm. I'm grateful to have it because I feel like if you write, you can teach yourself to do anything else. You can, you know, so I was like, oh, I write all the time in my journal. So yeah, I could write a script. You know, I could, you know, I could be a grant writer, you know, I could write uh, a manual, could do anything. And so that's what I love about writing. And I tell anyone who writes, you can teach yourself how to, how to do anything. So, yeah, yeah, but I didn't really, I didn't really give it a thought until, you know, I think um, until I got, Ava got in touch with me, we kept in touch for about a year. Uh, You know, I tried to, you know, wanted to email her all the time, but it was like, no, let me, you know, not Mm -hmm. be that person. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Paul Garns called me and invited me to direct on Queen Sugar in the second yeah. season. So how many years How many years ago was that when Ava slid in your DM, just for reference of time? That was here? 2016. Okay. So, so four years ago. Four years ago. So in those four years, like you, you've mentioned that her sliding into your DM and that opportunity really being, it sounds like a pivot for you in your career. So how has, have these past four years gone for you? Is it what you imagined? Um, yeah, it's been, I I would say, I don't really know what I imagined. Um, but it's definitely exceeded that. Mm. I was like, yeah, no, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm good at. This is like, I get this. I like it a lot. Okay. We're doing it again in two weeks from the last time I did it. All right, let's go. You know? And And when you say this, please specify since you wear so many hats, you know, I want to know. Thank you. That's that's a great question. So um, this, I mean, directing and then being uh, Ava asked me to be producing director on the third season of Queen Sugar, which was mm. great for me because all I wanted to do was just go back. You know, yeah. I, I, I consider them like my my first family, really, you know, um, not my birth family, but like my first family. Um, mm. And that's that's such a, a great, incredible, um, encouraging situation because she only hires first time female directors, first time television directors. Yeah. And so everybody there, cast and crew know that and they're dedicated to helping you make a beautiful episode. Oh, and so it's the best. It's the best. So all I yeah. do my whole life is like that's what I try to recreate 
on every set that I'm on, whether I'm a director mm-hmm. or I'm a producing director. And will you define for us what a producing director is? How is that different from t- traditional director or your more traditional producer or showrunner? Yeah, producing director, my definition of it is you shepherd the directors through the process. Um, you let them know how it works on a show. Every show is different. Um, every show will have its own its own look, its own uh, sort of uh, traditional tenets of what they're trying to do. Um, you uh, act as a liaison between the, the, the writers and the directors. Uh, you hmm. make sure that the vision of the show is intact from episode to episode. Um, and you also get to generally make comments on scripts before they go to lens. You get to make uh, comments on, um, on the actual edits before they're finally, you know, before they move up to, to studio and network. Um, and what's most important to me is you just get to be boots on the ground. Like you get to be yeah. in it with the people making the show every day. And you have the opportunity to affect the culture of that show. You know, you have the opportunity to affect who gets hired. You have the opportunity yeah. to um, make sure that people are seen and heard. And that's really both as a director and a producer, I feel like that's ultimately ultimately my goal. And if if more people were seen and heard, I don't think we would be in the situation we're in today. Um, and uh, and it just allows them to do their job um, at a level where they're comfortable. And I think when people are comfortable, they do their best work because they're yes. not thinking about the different things in their heads or what I didn't, you know, it's like, so I will, I go around and I just talk to people, you know, it's so I, fascinating I to, to me. Cause I, I, you know, there's this, this idea, right. That we we've heard about sets where there's yelling and throwing things and just like really not a good vibe. Right. And I've never understood right. that because the, the creative process is so inherently emotional and you can only operate at that level. Well, if you feel safe, right to put it simply, if you feel like you're in a safe environment where people got your back. So it's always bizarre to me to read about like different times in our industry where that wasn't the case, because as someone who's come up in physical production on the ground, like being there to support everybody in front and behind the camera, I really believe, and this may sound woo-woo, but, and I preach this, if you listen to my podcast, you'll hear me say this pretty much in every episode, but I I really believe that the energy that you have behind the scenes gets imprinted into what you're doing and whether or not it goes on to become whatever it is you thought or hoped, we all have our thoughts and hopes, right? For the best thing for the project. Ultimately, the only thing you can control is the journey of making that thing. So who are you going to be in that journey, in that process? How are you going to show up? And I think it's so important. I, I think a lot of people who are coming up always ask like for advice of what they can do. And to me, that's always the biggest thing you can do is just be a person of integrity. I can't teach you that. You got to find that on your own. You know, I can model it, but you got to make that decision for yourself. Show up, have a good attitude, be helpful, know your place. That's it. That's kind of it. And it sounds so simple, but it really is. I think if you have that baseline, you can go anywhere from there and, and learn the craft learn the sort of trade of it. But those, those things, like, it's just a choice, I think, of how you're going to live your life as a human. Yeah, I I totally agree. It's, it's really all about energy and it's, Mm -hmm. it's where you put that energy and and where you put that time. And, you know, listen, if you, this used to happen in restaurants, but now we're not in restaurants anymore. I would, I would walk into a restaurant and I would hear the level of the people talking and I would hear the level of the music. And a lot of times they would turn up the music because the people were talking loud or vice versa, mm. you know, like, it's like, okay, the music is loud. So I, now I have to talk louder. I'm, I have no interest in that. I mm. am now yelling. And so it's, it's the same thing on, on a set. Um, and so part of being a producing director, part of being a producer or, or any part of that set is to hear someone yell at someone else. I will go to that person. And, and this is what I've learned on queen sugar is I used to kind of stand back from confrontation and, and avoid it. But now I go right there. Mm, and I'll walk right up to the person who's yelling yep. and I'll go, what's going on here? How can I help? What's happening? Because it's unacceptable to have somebody. And yes, unless a, unless there's a fire and you're yelling fire <laughs> and everybody's <laughs> running, which also isn't kind of good because then everybody's running. Um, right, right, right. <laughs> there's no, there's just, there's no need for that. And what you're doing is you're showing everybody else, oh, I'm supposed to yell. That's how right. I get things done. That's how I get attention. And it's not. And that's a fallacy. Well, to think and that the that other thing happen. is that if you as the person in a position of leadership allows that behavior, right. you're actually making more room for it, right? You're sort of saying by being silent, you're saying, yeah, this is acceptable. Like, I'm not going to step in. Or worse, I think like the reprimanding of that in private 
it, it, yes. it's kind of like that abuser relationship where it's like in public, it's one way, but then behind the scenes, you're apologizing. I don't think you need to make an example out of somebody, but I think it's very important for transparency for everybody to see, like, you're going to go there and you're going to very patiently talk to that person, just understand what's going on, right? Because if someone's acting that way, it's, they're being triggered by something else, right? It's not, it's not really what's happening here in this moment. It can be an issue in the house. It can be all of that, which is why so much of what we do is, is, playing therapist and, and the psychologist to everybody, but completely and but just going around yeah. and talking to people. Yeah. That's I mean, right. that's like that, that becomes, I'm sure it's the same thing for you, right? That's, that's part of your day. Like if yeah. you go circle around and you talk to people, they then know that you've seen them. I mean, I genuinely love speak, love people and I care about them. If you've come to work to work on a thing that I'm working on, I'm grateful. So mm-hmm. that it, mm-hmm. it's, it's nothing to me to talk to you because I love people and I love that you showed up to do this. So yeah. talk to me about, you know, I, I had a, a crew member on a thing that I directed and their, their, their daughter was in an exchange program and the family that they were with was mean to her. And so she was staying in the room and she wasn't eating and they wanted her to fly back. But, but I know that because I talked to him and I, I, mm. I listened to him. I didn't talk to him. I listened to him. And so every morning I would show up and I go, how's she doing? And you could just see his shoulders were relaxed because he could talk yeah. about it, but because it's all that's running through his mind, you know? And then the day that like it turned and worked out with the family and she decided to stay, it was like, you could, I was like, she stayed. That's great. That's awesome. You know what I mean? And yeah. we need more of that <laughs> all the time, it, everywhere. As compassion. Silo. That's yes. right. Compassion and yeah. kindness. Like I always say, you're, you're dealing with hundreds and sometimes thousands of humans who are human beings, who are emotional creatures, who are in different wavelengths at all the, all times based on stuff that's happening in their lives that's very real. And then, you know, when production was normal production days, they're spending 12, 14 hours with you. You know, they're spending all their time with you. So it's, right. it's, it's not realistic like that that's not going to eventually come up for someone. But navigating that and helping someone feel supported through that, I think that's the, the ticket. You know, I don't think most people are inherently assholes or mean. I think you catch them in those moments where they, they have that thing. We all have been there, right? So but how you, how you navigate that, like I said, that's what defines your character your integrity and understanding. We've all been there at some point. So I don't know. I think it's, it's very important. I'm on a mission to like, to speak this everywhere I can and, and teach people, especially new people coming up underneath that, that it doesn't have to be in a certain way. It can be. And if you see others acting this way and you're new, don't think that that's the way you have to be to get where they're going. Cause I think more and more that let's call it management style is, uh, is not, is no longer in vogue. (laughs) So, Yeah, no, exactly. Yes. Like, just like I saw Gail Fisher playing Peggy being a secretary, and I thought I can do that. You know, don't think if you see a director yelling, if you see any crew member yelling at anyone else, don't think that that's acceptable. And that's the way yeah. to do it. And that's the way to get things done. I love yeah. I love how you described it as as um, imprinting. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, I really believe that. And I, I know for me, like, I've been a part of projects where on paper, it's like very fancy, very impressive, famous people, all the things, but I almost left the business, you know, because the experience of making it robbed my soul so much that I thought, wow, if this is like who I have to become or who I have to be around, or if these are my bosses and this is how they think it's appropriate to navigate these circumstances and I don't have the power to speak up, then I'm not really interested, you know? And I had one particular project, of course, that I won't name that I, it took me like six months, like from my soul energetically to bounce back and be like, okay, there are good people in this business. Not everybody is like this. And it was, it is a breath of fresh air when you find those people because I would say majority of those experiences are like that. And, you know, I don't negate uh, the the value of having a negative experience because I think that's what shapes you and defines you, right? Who are you going to, I, I said that all the time, like, who are you going to be? Like, I could have chosen to become a bitter, cynical person as a result of that experience. But I said, no, fuck that. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to go higher. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to find a way to still show up and, and not let this consume me in a way. And so I was curious because I haven't directed. I've mostly produced. And as I mentioned, I came up in physical production. So it's a grind. You know, it's very much a grind. You're on the ground. It's your I feel like it's like I describe it like the matrix. Once you're plugged in, I do a lot of features. It's like six months of your life. Like you don't have weekends. You sleep. You dream about it. You have nightmares about it. Anxiety about it. Like and it's because you have to care so much on the independent filmmaking side. Right. But 
But as a producer, there is like a spiritual cost, I find. Um, And so I'm curious if for you, there is a similar parallel to that. And if you find maybe that when you are wearing your directing hat versus your producing hat, is one a little easier to navigate from your like, energetically, you know, of having to deal with, with the people and the things because, and I'll wrap it up with my long winded way to ask this question. But I like to ask often, how do you fill your own well, you know, because when you are in a position, position of leadership, you have to show up and be so many things for so many people. And most producers I know when I'm like, okay, and what do you do for you? And what's your self care? Like, how do you make sure you're showing up to set like the best version of you so you can hand all of this out because it, it requires so much. We're not, you know, we're not robots or, or magicians. Like we, we are also human beings who also have emotional needs. And so I always like to pose those questions. And so I know I've asked, I kind of asked 80 things in one, but I'm just curious to your general thoughts to that. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, I appreciate that question. And I think we all need to fill our well during these times because mm-hmm. it, it's, it, it's incredibly uh, depleting what's happening. Um, I take, uh, baths when I can. Epsom salts are amazing. Um, Epsom salts are, are phenomenal. Epsom salts are magnesium, but don't ingest Epsom salts. You, I also take magnesium, but I'm a little sensitive to it. Um, so sometimes cause I was taking it to practice lucid dreaming. And Ooh. so when I take it during the week, yeah, cause I'm trying to work out stuff in my dreams, just trying to maximize mm, when I take it during a conversation the week, for a different time yeah, over wine. Right after, yeah. This is a mm. conversation where I'll, I'll crack the Clico and we'll have a little, Oh, yeah. please. She's yeah. teasing everybody with the, <laughs> in the back. it was a it gift. Not it's not. Room. Yeah. That's just sure. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, magnesium is good, but I take it on the weekends um, cause otherwise I feel like I'm still in the dream, which is kind of mm. freaky. Like the first couple of hours of the day for me on magnesium, I'll be like, I'll poke people. Like when you could touch them, be like, is that real? Um, and, uh, vitamins are big. Uh, zinc is huge. Zinc is great for your immune system. Vitamin C of course. Um, and then I like to just like not talk to anybody like people who, and, and friends are important as well. I, I have uh, very, very close friends. I think it's good to have friends who are your close friends who know you. And then it's great to have friends who are, who know you, but who also know production mm. because there's a, there's a difference. Right. So I, like I had, I yeah. had my best friend, I tried to call uh, uh, Risa Mickenberg in New York and I couldn't get her. So I called my other girl, uh, Jenna, but she does know production as well. And she was like, you just tell them no. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no, I, that's yeah. not how it you, yeah. you gotta, and you've got to get good at telling people, no, you yeah. tell them, no, we'll have a conversation later about how I can't tell them no. And if I do, is yeah. your second bedroom available? Cause that's where I'll be living. You don't mm. tell people, no, you give them options as a producer, you give them options. Yeah. Yeah, if, if you want this, then I, I can get, do this, but this, that's, this is what's happening. You know, and, yeah. and also sidebar, I like to say no for when it's really no, because it's usually there's not a no. Usually you can't figure something out. It's just time and money. So what do right. you want to spend your time and money on? Just like as a director, try, right. I'm trying to figure out when do I want to spend time and money on. Um, yeah. So it's very similar. Um, meditation, I'm trying, but honestly, sometimes I'm so busy that if I meditate, I'll fall asleep. So um Yoga is also good. I remember on Queen Sugar, I brought my mat, I put it down and I did yoga and then the phone started ringing and I was like, what? Yeah, we're waiting for you downstairs. I'm like, what? (laughs) So I can't really do that. Like, you know, um, during it's it's hard during, yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's hard during, but I like the, um, I like the New York times seven minute, seven minute workout. I started Mm. doing that. And that's okay. pretty good, awesome. right? It's like 30 seconds of this, 30 seconds rest, 30 seconds this, 30 seconds rest. I'm like, okay, this is kind of getting me into so moving a thing. your body, moving your, well, it sounds like it's, it's like resting your body and then moving your body, having yeah. some time to go within. That's how you recharge and yeah. feel so you can show and up. Yeah. And, and then just not, not talking to, not talking yeah. to, because you talk so much, it's oh, so God, much energy. Yeah. Like, so now I'm yes. just like, I love not talking to anyone and just having like yeah. music on and just, you know, yeah. what do you do? When what I, are your... Well, yeah, when I'm in production, it's like, you know, then my, my parents want to call I'm very close to my parents or my friends want to call and catch up. And I'm like, I just don't want to talk to you. Like, I don't have the bandwidth to tell you about my day because it's just 
I need to be in silence. <laughs> yes. You know, I, it's like hard for me to even watch television. Like any input is really hard. I just need to like have silence. I drive home. I drive without the radio on. I'm just super quiet. Um, but I think it, it really is, um, like you said, finding times to slow down. And also I think it's important like during set, during production, I, I really make it a point to get to know the people that I know on the day are not going to be drinking enough water, are not going to be making time to, you know, treat themselves to like an ice latte, like small things that just really give someone a boost of like, oh, you, you care, you're paying attention. And so I like to find what those things are for my fellow producers and my production team and, and be like, oh, okay, she's cranky. She needs a snack. Let's go get her some gluten-free crackers. This is what's going on here. And just like right. feeding them to her, because I think sometimes we just get so into what we're doing. We don't properly eat lunch. You know, it gets cold. Like you go into any production office, there's like 18 unfinished drinks because you can never get through one thing. Um, and it's, it's um, especially when you're on set, right? Oftentimes you have your your production trailer on in, in independent films, your production office sometimes is also on set. And so it's actually really hard to get anything done because you're there in the middle of a task and someone walks in asking for a time card and you're like, you think I'm just hanging out on my laptop, like scrolling social, like I'm actually in the middle of a thing. I, you know what I'm saying? So you it's, I say that because it's important that you're constantly being interrupted in the things that you're doing. So it's very important to take time to go for a five minute walk, um, especially if you're on location somewhere beautiful. Yes, go outside if you're at the Disney ranch and go take 10 minutes, get lost. It's fine. Like come back, be responsible, but go fill your soul in these little ways. And I think the other thing for me that is just stopping and being present, right? Like I had this moment on on Sylvie's Love and and that was a really challenging production. It was a big one of the largest productions I've ever been a part of, but we were sitting at Disney Ranch and I was just looking at like all the condors and all the lights and I was just like, "Whoa." It's like, yeah. "Damn, like this is crazy. Like we did this. Like we put all this shit here. Like someone wrote some words years ago. They dreamed this up and now like we're here, we're doing it. Wow." Like, you know, I still find it so important to have these moments where you can still be mesmerized by the fact that we get to do this for a living. We get to be in these magical spaces with incredible people getting to tell stories that shape perspectives, that change our worlds, that support people in whatever ways they need that support. And I think it's, I don't know, it's such a privilege. You know, I think one of the things that 2020, um, taught me and one of my takeaways for as challenging as it was for all of us is, is that, you know, like what we get to do as storytellers, getting to be a woman in this business right now, like there's never been a better time, you know? And so yeah. what a privilege, what an honor that we get to do this. And so, yeah, I want to show up and be great. Yeah. I want to be an example to other people. Yeah. I really want to show that it is possible to find success, to get where you're going with kindness, with mindfulness, with integrity, and 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 it builds a better industry. Um, and so I, that's very much my MO. I don't know how I got on that soapbox. Uh, this happens a lot. So I apologize. But yeah, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's I what I that. feel about it, you know, and, and I, I think I've had so many wonderful nudges from the universe along the way when I've had these, these down slumps, which I the downward slumps of this industry of this business, which I want to ask you about that. There's always been this little voice, you know, like, keep going, like, you're on the right path. And I had my very own Ava DuVernay experience where she did not slide into my DMs, but I definitely slid into her. This is back before DMing was a thing on her Twitter and emailed her. We ended up meeting in person at the LA Film Fest once. And I had this incredible experience where in 2010, I went to my first Sundance forget what year it was. And I was, I decided to volunteer because I was like, well, I don't, I heard that you shouldn't go to Sundance if you don't have a movie. So I'm going to volunteer. And I was working as an usher opening night to, I forget what film it was. Um, but it was the year that like Dear White People came out. It was like just epic, epic year. I think it may have been Dear White People. That was the opening night movie. But I remember I was being an usher and then Ava came in and they were like, oh, you need to help this woman get sat. And I was like, but that's Ava DuVernay. I have to talk to her. Oh, my God. And I was just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, I was like so nervous. And I've met and worked with a lot of people, but she just represents so much to me. And so I was like helping her to her seat. I was like, um, hi, Ava. I'm so sorry. I know this is like the worst time. Very inappropriate. But like, I'm Carolina. She's like, Carolina Gropa. And I was like, I was like, I'm sorry. You know, my last name? What? She's like, yeah. Oh my God, girl. So nice to meet you. And she like hugged me. And I was just like, 
like that experience at Sundance to be seen and recognized, right? And this is before Selma. This is before the Ava she's become now. Um, but this is always who she's been. And it was just yeah. that, like, wow, like she really is the real deal, you know? And um, yeah. it was a really wonderful experience. But to bring it back to you, because I've been yapping here for a while, um, I, I often like to talk about the realities, right, of what it takes to do this kind of work. I think we do these panels and we see your social media and my social media and it's like, wow, these women and they're so impressive and uh, and all of this. But but a lot of people don't see the 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 hardships and that's okay. Like it's not, it's our journey, right? We're on the inside of it. But I'm curious when you have experienced these hardships in your career, the ups and downs, maybe the undulations of success, how have you navigated that? And when you've been in these downward slumps, how have you gotten out of it and continued the path? Yeah. I don't really look at them as slumps or hardships or um, I don't use the word failure um, cause I'm learning something I'm learning mm. from it. So if I'm learning from it, then it's not a hardship. It's not a failure. It's not a, and listen, there are real hardships. Like there are yeah. real people who are really going through some real fucking shit. Um, yeah. that is not my hardship. I am, I'm fortunate not to have that. And I am, um, you know, uh, I, I am in support of those people who are going through things. And I know that part of why I'm here on this earth is to serve. And so my intention is to try to serve people through story, through my job. You know, if I can support some organization, help them, throw them some money or make sure that people know about them, um, because I want everybody to be okay. (laughs) I want everybody to be able to, you know, to do what they are are here to do. So, um, yeah, I don't really I don't really look at it as that. And also I have the the ability to write. So I'll, I'll write about it. And I'll get mm-hmm. it out of me and onto a page. And then I'll think, oh, maybe that'll turn into this or that'll turn into that. But either way, it's it's out of me. So I wrote about it. And then the other thing is, I know that um, there's something that I'm supposed to learn. So that's why this, when a project doesn't happen, a job, I don't get a job. I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to learn something here. And I think a lot of people, um, you can make the mistake of future planning, absolutely, and think about it and talk about it. But What's what you said earlier, be present. Like you have to be here. I can't think about tomorrow to the point that I am not here with you having this conversation, having this wonderful connection and listening to the things that you're suggesting. You know, I can't think about, okay, tomorrow it's supposed to be 11 hour day. But we gotta, you, know, you have to be where you are in that moment because there's something for you there. There are messages everywhere. I'm a firm believer in that, mm-hmm. um, as well as a firm believer in thoughts become things which is another reason why I don't say failure. I don't say hardship. That's right. I don't, and, right. and, you know, I think in hindsight later, you could look at something and be like, oh yeah, that was a, but I might say, yeah, but I learned, I, yeah, that might've been a tough time, mm. but guess what? I still had clothing. I still had an apartment. You know what I'm saying? Like, I still like, that was a tough time, but I got through it. And here's what I learned from that time. And here's what I'm yeah, bringing yeah. from that time to here so that I'm always grounded. You know? And have you have you always been this way and this wise and mature or or like did you just come out the gate like this or like what uh, how did you you know what I'm saying because I think everything you're saying is like absolutely but in my own journey after being in this business for 14 years it took me a while to get there emotionally right my way of responding to the business responding to not getting a job responding to periods of no work especially as a freelancer and and not taking that personally and having that not be a reflection of your own identity in this business and whatever you're trying to do. Um, And like I said, it took me a while. It took yoga and meditation and therapy to sort of realize that, like I said, if you're going to show up as your authentic self, then that also means you're exposing your authentic self and that you're going to have to like be a little protective of that. And I think in my youth, I may have gone a little too deep with the heart chakra there and needed to like reel it back a bit and understand how to navigate that so that, I don't feel depleted um, by certain people or by certain experiences that aren't failures, but there are a lot of energy vampires in our business, you know? So, so it, it, so many. And so like being able to go, okay, you're one of these people and that's okay. And you're not a reflection of me. It's awesome. But like I said, I, it took me a long time to understand that lesson and how, to have better tools for myself to not get caught up in that noise so I can show up and do the work because that's all that really matters at the end of the day. No, I mean, I, I 
totally hear you. It took me a long time as well. Look, I used to be a pessimist. Like mm-hmm. I used to think that if I'm, I, it's not going to work out. And so therefore, if it doesn't work out, I'm already low. So I just have to go that much lower. It's not that far of a fall, right? Mm-hmm. Not realizing that that's just negative energy that I'm putting out on myself. It doesn't cost anything for you to think optimistically, but it took me years to go through it. And, you know, I've had a therapist, I had clinical depression. I, you know, did a lot of yoga, a lot of thinking about what I, what I really wanted. I decided to be here. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm going to flip it. And it takes a, it takes a while to train your brain. But Mm -hmm. once you do that, once you start to, uh, however, whatever it takes to do that, you know, sometimes I'll think negative and I'll be like, okay, that's it. You're not saying that no more. That's it. Then the next time I think it, I'm like, no, you gave that, you gave that space like two hours ago or yesterday. No more. Mm -hmm. That gets no more time. There's nothing positive to be said about that. When people started going around saying there's going to be a a civil war, I'm like, I'm never using that word. I don't want to use it. I can't, I don't want to bring that to this experience. I don't, other people can bring it. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to talk about what we're going to gain. Like, what can we, what can we get? And um, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, when Ava initially reached out to me, she asked me if I had any television scripts because she was opening the Queen Sugar room, right? So, so then, actually, you're right. That's, that's when I first did think about writers. I really thought, oh, yeah, that's right, writers, right? Now, mm. I had submitted two scripts at that point to the Sundance Episodic Labs. They didn't get in. I was, I was bummed out, but I had those two scripts. Everything for a reason, right? Like, oh, I wouldn't have had those scripts. <laughs> If I didn't, so it doesn't matter. So I sent them right. to her and obviously I didn't, it didn't work out. I didn't get into the room, but a year later I get called to direct the show. Also, the other thing that I did that day that she reached out to me is I said, oh, Queen Sugar. Okay. Um, I better go to the library and get that book because I'm going to be working on Queen Sugar. Mm. And then I went to the library. It was a Friday. I got that book. I read it from, I started making notes on it. And every time I thought about it, every time I thought about the book, every time I thought about the show, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be working on that. So this is good that I've read the book and I can think about these characters. It costs you nothing. And it's a great book. <laughs> so yeah. what did you do? You spent some time reading a book? That's awesome. You know what I mean? Mm. So yeah. when you yeah. flip it like that, you can make gains and there's not a negative. But believe me, it, it takes time. And now that I am in this more positive, optimistic realm... I do find the vampires like even more. So I just like, I got to center myself. I got to protect myself. I do a gold meditation, you know, the gold meditation mm-hmm. where you, mm-hmm. you imagine my acupuncturist um, uh, that I used to see, you imagine from the ends of your hair, right. To the tips of your toes that you're turning gold. Mm-hmm. So you just take some time to see it and to feel it and monks use it to protect themselves. So anything that bounces towards you bounces right off your gold. stay gold. So I use it before I go into big meetings or um, if I go into any situation where I'm like, it's going to be, the energy is going to be a little dicey. Um, Sometimes presentations, depending on who's there, you know, it's, and it's good to do, uh, if you fall asleep, it's great to do while you're falling asleep. It's, it's great. Amazing. I want to bring it back to one of the things that in your story, I find really fascinating for a moment, which is that you were working in advertising for a minute. You had a, career as a copywriter at some point. And I, I want to dig into this because it I couldn't find it, more information. But the, the the line is that, you know, you were able to direct two features, right while you were holding down that job. Is that true? Yeah. This is pre 2016. This is like when you were like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go, I'm just gonna go wear all these hats and figure this out. So how did you find the space in your life to do all of that? And when one of those features was the one that Kerry Washington was in, is it not? Yep. L- lift? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's Lift. Lift. Yeah. yeah. Talk a little bit about like that time in your life. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so um, I come from a line of uh, people who know how to hustle. My mama hustled. She went to uh, night school and she had two jobs and raising four kids. Um, single mom, single mom, respect wow. to all the single mothers out there. Um, I saw that, um, and I'm like, okay, for me, knowing that this was something that I really, I really loved, you know, I really love advertising being a copywriter and I really love the idea of making these films. And, and my first film was black and white and red all over, which I think is 
pretty much only available on VHS um, <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> and, uh, and so, um, and the idea from that came from um, visiting my niece. She wasn't there. She had photos on her wall, but she also had these funeral programs. In the course of a year and a half, she had lost four friends uh, to violence and I was overwhelmed. We were very close, but she was 16. She had never ex- expressed this to me, what she was going through. So I'm like, what can I do? I'll make a film. So um, I had not gone to film school, but I had all of Spike Lee's books. And then I had Robert Rodriguez's book, Rebel Without a Crew, um, and read that. And because I had made commercials with people, different vendors as a copywriter, I knew what happens on a, on a set. It's the same set. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just mm-hmm. longer. And yeah. um once I decided, literally, I just said, uh, I set my intent, which I didn't even realize until years later that that's what I was doing. I was like, I'm making a movie. Everyone was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm making a movie. And I just, and people joined in different people who are like, well, if you're making a movie, we'll help editor. Who's now edited both of my films, a very close friend of mine, Peter Barsis works at Edit Bar in Boston. Uh, my partner at the time was Kari Streeter, my art director partner. He was involved. Harry McCoy got him involved. Uh, Mark Hankey and now what was in picture park him involved and just, did ads for the camera company to get a camera package <laughs> and just put it together. Hustle. Yeah. And wow. if you, and if you love it, it doesn't really matter. Right. And for me, right. I'm like, I got to save some lives here. That's, that was my bigger goal. I'm doing this to try to save some people. So I need to get this message out there. Um, that got into Sundance uh, and uh, then went on, had a really rich, rich festival life. Um, and then we got into the, uh, into the labs, the Sundance labs, um, with Lyft, with the script for Lyft. So with the first film, the agency where I was working, very small agency, Heater Easton, um, they said, we will give you time off to make your film. And I was like, that was incredible. So they gave us the 18 days off. It doesn't mean we didn't work on other stuff. We took calls. We worked at night on other things sometimes. And as soon as we started editing, we were back in the office making it. Um, But that's what you have to do. You know, it doesn't, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that my friends and my family know my job. And so I didn't get pressure from them to, you know, you miss so-and-so's birthday. It's like, I'm doing what I'm here to do. I'm doing what I love. And I have this message I need to get across. So I have very forgiving friends and family who understand, uh, understood that early on because even working in advertising, I, I, I think it's one job, one week in advertising, I work 80 hours. So yeah, it's the same thing. And I actually say to anyone in advertising, advertising preps you for working in film. Like, I think there's a lot of similarities there. Um, mm. And then Lyft came and it was, it was the same thing. A little, little different than I had uh, owned my own agency had a couple of small agencies and shut that down to, to do lift, but was still, if anything else is coming up, it's, it's, you know, it's coming up like, yeah. So take those calls and take those meetings and, you know. Yeah. I think it's, it's so important when, when we talk about the hustle, like, you know, basically creating space, right. For yourself and, and asking for the things that you want, I think is often really hard for a lot of people. There is a tactfulness that has to come with, putting yourself out there. And I think you sort of learn by doing because not most you can have the hustle, but there's always fear involved, right? Like, I I don't know about you, but there's still the fear of like, oh, my God, I'm going to message this person and they may reject me. But I still feel those feelings. I just say, maybe I don't know. But I rather find out than wonder what what, what if. Mm-hmm. Get very spiritual with these conversations because I think we, you know, we get the one life as far as we know. And I, as an immigrant to this country, my my parents came here when I was nine. I'm from Brazil, and like I spent six months of my life not speaking this language and like not knowing what was going on around me. But something about that trauma instilled in me that I, no matter what, I I gotta. I got to make something happen. Like I got to be a person who does something because I understand the value of what my parents who left everything behind me, three small children at my age, I can't even imagine that, you know, to try a life in a new country, to try something new. So it's not lost on me, the gratitude and the blessings that I have to get to do this, to get to be where I am. And so to your point, you only connect the dots when you're looking backwards. You never know. And so I think it's so cool that you are you literally like live by these things no matter how you got there and it's so inspiring so thank thank you for sharing that yeah 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 yeah. um and the two things i want to say after that like i want to be 
clear, like there's, it's, it's tough and it's long hours, but what you said before is, it's, it's, it's true. Like I have the, the honor of doing something that I really love to do. And every day I go to set, I am excited. Like I'm thrilled to be there making this thing with all these people coming off of Queen Sugar. I worked on the first, my first experience after uh, Queen Sugar was for the people which is Shauna Lane. It was my yeah. first time working with Shauna Lane oh, yeah. and Tom Verica. I'm sitting across from Tom Verica and he's like, listen, uh, okay, I got to go to New York and I got to film this thing. But um, you could just, if you want to go walk the sets by yourself, you can. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah. And, then, uh, and I tried to like, I tried to not show him how fucking excited I was because um, that's magic. Like the fact that you walk into the space and there's a house in there and it's shit opens and the fridge works. And on the day I shoot, they plumb the sink and there's steps and they really go, y'all made this, what? Like it's yeah. amazing. And I was like, he does not know, he does not want me. I went into sets that I should not have gone in. I went into more than four people sets. I was like sneaking around corners, lurking, taking photos and shit. Like I never told him that, but um, <laughs> but it's it, but it's like, it's ridiculous that, that uh, we, we get to play. It is playing yeah. yes. all, all day, you know, yeah. and we get to do it with a family of people together. Everyone gets to have an idea for me, best idea always wins, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, and then we have this thing afterwards and we all worked on, you know, like, look at the, yeah. I made that, yeah. all, we did this together. Like there's nothing more exhilarating or exciting than that. And um, the other thing that I'll say is my friend, Risa Mickenberg said something to me, so astute. She's a, a screenwriter, playwright, uh, musician. Um, she said, author, uh, Taxi Driver Wisdom is her book. She said to me, I, I, I think there was a few years ago, I was like, oh, I gotta do this. And, this. and she says, just do it with joy. If mm. you do it with joy, you'll never regret it. And I went, oh. And so now even the task that is the most mundane or the most dirty or the most negative I, I'm like there's there's joy in there and I'm gonna fucking find it and then I find it and then I just try to magnify it as much as yes. possible and she's right and then it's then there's no failure then there's no that was super negative then there's no you know that was that was an awful time it's like no I learned something no I found joy in that thing like I, I figured it out um, perspective is everything yeah. yeah, perspective is everything, and it's it's you get to choose every day how you wanna where where you wanna every like, day where where the angle is gonna be angle right. on producers, you know, like <laughs> how, <laughs> But seriously, like you get to you you get to choose you get to magnify whatever is happening and and how you're gonna let that impact your your day and your life, and I I think that's wonderful and yeah. such a great reminder uh, to to me and to everybody listening, hopefully about. It is such a simple shift, not easy to do sometimes, but if you can try to find it, you know, like the four agreements, if you can go to bed knowing you did your best every day, like that's all we can do, you know? Yeah. No one's yeah, promised tomorrow. It. So it's- my dad likes to say, if you can steal a smile or a laugh from someone every day, do it because it's the best yeah. thing and it costs you nothing. He came here with, didn't speak English and can walk into any room and like just light up anybody and make anybody laugh and get on the same wavelength as anybody. And it's such a, a wonderful skill that he has that I know cost him things as well, but like he, he, it's the joy that it brings him is, is paramount. And so that's how he lives his life. And I remember when I first saw that in action at a grocery store checkout and how he made it a point to make the woman at the checkout laugh. And I was like, Oh, like, oh yeah, that's a human. Like I can interact with this person. This isn't just transactional. It doesn't, and it costs him nothing. And she was just saying goodbye to him and be like, all right, y'all have a good day. And it was just like, it gave her that boost of joy. And I don't know, it just, it, it's, it's, I live my life by those principles. I don't always succeed. Like I said, some days you are having a day and that's just where you're at and you got to honor that too. Um, but I think to your point, yeah, if you can always bring it back to the joy, then I think then it's a life worth living. It's not just every day that's a new chance to do that. It's it's every minute. You mm-hmm. don't have to be like tomorrow will be better. You can decide. Okay, it's three o'clock. At four o'clock, I decide it's fucking better. You decide. Yep. You have the power to decide. Literally, <laughs> you know. So figure yeah. out what it is that's going to get you there. Whether you, you know you're going to blast some Biggie Smalls, 
you're gonna, right. you know, <laughs> you're going <gonna, laughs> to sing some Edwin Hawkins, you know, whatever, whatever it is, decide that and then put it on and, and, and do it. If you need to run yeah. some wind sprints real quick, if you need to spend some time, talk to, you know, zoom with someone, someone's kids. Mm. I like feeling like I can take something that's not possible and make it possible for someone, even if it's a small thing. Like I just need this person's email. I got you. You know, it just it gives, it gives me like joy to be able to help someone do the thing. I, I have one final question for you before I open it up. I know we're getting close to the hour um, to the Q&A with the lovely people watching. Um, what's the legacy that you hope to leave behind? Oh, God, what? Uh, I don't. Um, I mean, I have. um you know, I have lots of things that I'm that I'm going to do, and I, I don't say that uh, I, I say that they are going to happen. Um, I have um, in my in my in the bathroom in the bathroom mirror, it says um, in brown lipstick, which tells you how old it is because people barely wear brown lipstick anymore. Mm. But it says um, it says uh, not if when, and so. I always say when, um, and I'm going to make, uh, you know, I mean, I'm going to have three to four television series on at the same time and also direct uh, a feature film every other year. I'm going to have um, an internship program for people that pairs young people, old people, whatever, with a crew member so that they can shadow them, so that they can learn that skill. Cause we need more people who look like us. We need more women. We need more everything on those crews. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Ava's crew was the most, to this day, the most diverse crew I've ever seen before in my life. Um, first, first time. And I, I do not want it to be the last that I've ever worked with a black female grip. Mm. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, yeah. So I guess that's in that way, if I can provide for others, because every opportunity is that you have, you could provide for, for others yeah. and make, make space for people who um, want that sense of belonging, you know, as well. Yeah. You know, when I, when I buy a gift for someone, I go to Google maps. I look, this is not a Google, Google commercial, but I go to Google maps and I look them up and then I look nearby and then I try to find those businesses that are black and Brown owned. I try to find those female own businesses and be like, I know I'm a fine as a female owned flower shop here and get that. You know what I mean? And support, and especially now to support mm. those small businesses that need, yeah. them, you know? Um, yeah. so I like to, I'd like to shop local very, very often. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess that would be it. Uh, legacy is such a big word. It is a big word. It doesn't have to, you know, we can impact in, in small, more in small ways. ways. Right. Every and day, the, what your father often, does. Exactly. And I think oftentimes the, the biggest impact is the one we have on our local community. What a life worth living that hopefully you, me, we can be remembered, not just for the work that we create, but for the way that we did the work and the quality and the things that we, you know, worked towards changing for the better that hopefully 20, 40, you know, 100 years from now is just like the new the new normal, and we've been a part of this wave of change that is much needed, you know, we're at the beginning of like, yeah, we recognize this is an issue. We've been talking about it. Now let's like actually do something about it everywhere, everybody, not, everywhere. Just, Eva, not, not just, just people every with business. Exactly. Every I mean, place. just to your, to your point, and then I'll wrap it up, but on Miss Virginia, you know, we went out of our way to find female department heads, to find people of color department heads, um, we still gave the best person the job, you know, we still wanted to reward that. But when my, you know, cinematographer came to me and was like, oh, but I don't know any female ACs. And I was like, well, let me introduce you. And now you have like so many that you know, because I can't fault for someone, especially as like, we all have our teams, we have our people, we have our shorthand, I get that. And society, you know, we, we sort of tend to hang out with people who look like us. That's like a sort of psychological thing. So I can't fault someone for not really having ever looked or tried but once i've given you the resources then it's on you then you got to go like I'm, I'm making you aware that this is like something you should think about and now you got to go and do that work. and that's what ava does all the time and that's, yeah, and she, when that's, people say i can't find those people she goes look harder and look she achieved gender right. parity on cherish today that's like right. you know 50 percent 
feet like come on like it's, it's possible it's possible exactly and it shouldn't be just ava doing this heavy lifting like we no, all gotta, it's, all gotta it, do our part and so it has to be it has to be all of us and i think you know um when i learned about queen sugar and what they were doing i realized i had never worked with a female director of photography before mm-hmm. and i was doing a commercial and i said to my to my line and producer i was like i want to work with a female um dp and they went oh and then that's all they said and so then shaz bennett who um, is an incredible filmmaker and, and director and writer. Uh, I said, Shaz, I need a female DP. And she gave me a bunch of websites. So you just, you take it upon yourself. Yeah. And I, yeah. I found one and I found That's Taryn right. Anderson and I worked with her and she was phenomenal. You know, yeah. like it's, it's, you have to, you can find them. We all know them. Other people say that they're not. It's like, it's exactly what you said. Let me introduce you. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, you're just lovely. And I want to just chat with you forever. But I do want to be mindful that we have other lovely people who have questions for you. Um, So before I turn it over to them, I just want to thank you for for doing this podcast, this conversation for sharing a little bit of your insights and your journey with me and the listeners and the viewers. Um, I, I feel so blessed that I get to do the work that I do, but also that I get to do the show and I get to share it with people so that you know, it reminds us that we're not really alone in this journey and that it's, it's all there for the taking and that it's all possible. So thank you. so Thank much. you. Thank you so much. And thank you for your work, for what you do. Thank you for Sylvie's love, which was just gorgeous. Um, and for Miss Virginia, which is just like instructional. We all need to be doing that. Um, and I yeah. know you must have a film script that you're writing about how you came to America and your dad. And I can't it's- wait. I can't wait to see I that. Have, and I can't, I, I can't have, wait to work with you. Yeah, likewise. I definitely have ideas percolating. Um, definitely download with you about them later, about that that journey. I've had many people say, write your story. And I'm like, ugh, you know. Yeah, but everybody's got, like, every. I do the whole thing, even me. We just had this conversation. I'm like, yeah, but, like, there's so many great stories already about people coming to it. Like, what's, you know, my story? Uh, so, but I got to just do it. Yeah. You got to just, your story is valid. All yeah. of our stories are valid. All of our stories are needed. They're all necessary. And just even if you just set a timer on your phone, if you want to start at five minutes, just set a timer on your phone for five minutes and write as much as you can remember. Because people think they're going to remember stuff. And especially film set, you go from set to set, you meet a whole, you're going to meet another 200 people. Like when, (laughs) when you start working on something else, that stuff's going to start to go. So just make it five minutes. And then the next week, maybe it grows to 10, maybe 15. Just, just get it down. Cause I want to know that story. You saying that I could picture you little and not being able to understand and then, and see your your father, like that's real. That's beautiful. It's a, the, 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 my first memory, cause they say that language is memories tied to language. And because I didn't really have a lot of memories of my life at that, I don't have a lot of memories of my life at that time when I wasn't speaking the language. Like I don't really remember school and I, there wasn't an ESOL program. This was in Richmond, Virginia. So I was like definitely mm. the weird alien kid. I also didn't have my forefront teeth. So I was like a weird kid, you know, and I didn't speak the language. It was, you know, I'll send you a photo. It was so cute. So cute. And everybody compliments me on my smile these days. And I'm always like, if you know what I've been through. But what I remember is I had this, my second grade teacher, Miss Kennedy, was this lovely black woman. And she had these beautiful long red nails. And I, the memory I have is always like of her hands, because I always like pay attention to people's hands and just her beautiful nails. And, and she t- went out of her way. Talk about our teachers, right? Because there wasn't a program, she stayed behind and taught me the language. She would put signs on things, like she would put chair on a chair. So I would see, okay, that's the word chair. Like she really went out of her way. And and I would basically hang out on my lunch with her because I didn't know how to like hang out with the kids and stuff. And she like, she was the first person who's shown kindness to me. And this was a school that, you know, was predominantly a bunch of white kids. So, um, years later, 10 years later, I don't even know how many years later, I actually tried to call her to thank her and she had passed unfortunately but I had told her husband I was like I want you to know the impact she had on my my life like I don't remember any other elementary school teacher in America but she I wish I like could see her face clearly and I and I can't and there's no photos of her online because like you know this is before Facebook so she's not on any of the social medias but yeah so the, the never underestimate the power 
that you have, like any of us yeah. teachers and to, to, to us. like really by going the extra mile to like really make a mark on someone and, and change the course of their life. So yeah, that's already a scene, man. Come on. I know it is a scene. It is a scene. I and that's this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and doing this live thing with me. If you don't already, please subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube. You can find me at Carolina Gropa and the show is at angleonproducers.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next week. Beijos. <laughs>